Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. Hey, quick note before we begin. I was telling you before that Indigo has the book on sale for pre-order for 50%. I'm learning so much about the book industry. Amazon just put the book on sale for 51%. So that's how that goes down. Anyhow, buy it at whichever online store you prefer. If you'd like to buy it, it's half off or 51% off. And the reason I'm going to be continuing to talk about the book so much is because we are not soliciting any press in the Canadian media for this book. The only way this book is going to get talked about and bought is if we continue to talk about it on the show and if you keep telling people about it, because I just don't think it's, it doesn't seem right for us to go with our hat in hand to the Canadian media that we cover and say, hey, can we have some positive publicity for the book? So that's why I continue to talk about it. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Squarespace. With the help of Squarespace, tackling your next move might not be as difficult as it seems. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code CANADALAND to get 10% off of your first purchase plus a free domain. David Barry. Hello. Freelance journalist, columnist, most recently uh, for the Globe Mail and Hazlitt, among others. Among others, yeah. 
glad to have you here on Shortcuts for the first time. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Dave, today we are going to talk about Jean Gameshi's turn to podcasting, The Last Refuge for Scoundrels. We are going to talk about Post Media Death Watch, Part 49. Is it just that low? Uh, <laughs> it's shocking, isn't it? And we're going to talk about CBC says sorry, and will likely say sorry again. Several times before this is over, I think. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Wayne Maybe, Wesley Burton, Jonathan Norris, John Patterson, Greg Atkinson, Jadine Lannan, Abbas Kassam, and Andy McKim. Andy, why did you decide to be awesome? Because I love the focus you have on the media in Canada and the stories the media doesn't cover. I also wanted to give you a shout out on Quebec stories. You asked whether we'd be interested. We are. And once again, this episode is brought to you by Squarespace, which is great for portfolio sites for freelancers, great for small businesses, great for tons of different purposes. Anything you're thinking about your next project that you have in the back of your mind, it is easier than you think to just begin. And you can kind of play around with Squarespace, pick a beautiful template and start building that website that's just a little idea before you decide whether or not you want to unleash it upon the world. Whether you're hoping to start a business, change careers, or launch a new creative project, Squarespace gives you the ability to create an online platform from which to make your next big idea known to the world. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code CANADALAND. You will get 10% off of your first purchase plus a free domain. It just couldn't be easier. They make the thing stupid simple. They support it. You don't have to worry about the back end. They update it. Once again, squarespace.com, offer code CANADALAND. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars and I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool, doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. 
So Dave, mm-hmm. I'll tell you a little story. All right. It's not much of a story. I'll just tell you what happened about a couple of months ago. I started getting these tips that uh, Jean Gomeshi was plotting a comeback and various people gave me information saying, oh, I know somebody, a lawyer. I know somebody who's in marketing or PR and they were approached by Gameshi and he offered to pay them a lot of money. He's staffing up. He wants to get his social media act together. He wants to get his marketing game. He wants to make sure he's legally covered. He's launching his comeback. And part of all these stories was that the person said no Mm. and turned down the money because they were afraid, either because they had moral problems of their own, uh, but all the secondhand information, which which is why we never reported it, though a lot of it has been confirmed since by the fact that it's happened. Uh, <laughs> that he now has a podcast and presumably a staff and whatever else. The big question that I had as I heard this, I said, well, you know, I figured he would try something sooner or later. Yeah. But what can he do? What would work? What what would people listen to? <laughs> well, I, I, I guess the answer is like slam poetry over like relaxation beats is, is that's what he's going with. So no, that sounds ridiculous. That, why would that? Uh, and I suppose we should uh, tell people I, this is, uh, you know, being glib about this. There are people who uh, I believe are victims of Jean Gameshi and uh, his voice uh, was an unwelcome presence in their life following the abuse that they say that they experienced at his hands and mm. they couldn't escape his voice. So I, so I figure it's only uh, right that we let you know you're about to hear John Gameshi's voice. Fair enough. It's Monday, April 10th, 2017. This is The Ideation Project. What if we're becoming an entire world of exiles? But if we belong everywhere, we're also just a step away from belonging nowhere. Nowhereans devoid of roots to spare. What does it mean to truly feel like you belong somewhere? Or what if you don't belong anywhere? No place to receive a hand. What does it mean to feel like you have no homeland? Does compassion descend into maybes if it's somebody else's babies? Maybe this has to be about the world rising to say we all belong somewhere. Through all of our imperfections and all of our fear, we belong here. So Dave, that was uh, episode one of the ideation project. Yeah. the uh, uh, Parts of it. <laughs> I, I guess I should say maybe to back up at the risk of seeming overly glib. I do think that in a certain sense, this is the glibness is kind of all he deserves at this point. I have a hard time taking him seriously in any, uh, per, certainly in a professional context. And uh, if he is a figure of fun, I, I think that's maybe a, a a fitting uh, little bow on on his career uh, up till now. That was some of the response we got when we alerted people to the existence of this YouTube video and podcast was like, don't give him any oxygen. Don't give him mm. any attention. That's, you know, that's sort of the only thing he has left is the ability to like, oh, he's back yeah, and get people's attention. I don't know. Let's, let's talk about that part of it first. Cause like, I, I felt like there's nothing wrong or immoral in people being very curious about what his next, you know, like, no, sure. I, I think that's a yeah. natural curiosity and this was a major story. So, I don't feel like this is something that we just like, like, no, the right thing to do is to pretend that it doesn't exist. And I think that people also tend to overvalue like the attention to money ratio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, As we'll see in a coming story, digital uh, ads do not uh, bring in quite as much revenue as you think. I mean, now the attention, though he might not be monetizing it right now, is ultimately going to be needed for him to mount any kind of like viable. I have thoughts, obviously, and the Internet had a lot of thoughts. 
beyond just a general sense of mockery towards like, was it mm. him or this, or this actual, the content itself? Like, what did you make of the content itself? The content itself, I mean, I hope it will maybe finally put the lie to this weird idea that has stuck around even through the, the court cases and the, the public apology and whatnot that, you know, Gion was a great broadcaster who really did something interesting with the medium. Content-wise, this is pretty bad. I think it sort of reveals that when he doesn't have a, a, a staff of talented CBC writers out there to keep him from writing someone else's babies with maybes, that um, he, he goes into a dark place. I like yeah I I just it, this really is it's it's rhyming couplets over a nice little like lavender bath of a synth wash and uh, I I independent of you know whose name is attached to it I would really love to meet the person who could listen to six minutes of this and go yes give me episode two or track two I guess track two yeah with the, the whole kind of music fan theme carrying through I guess that's the thing is that it, it almost feels like he wants to not skip a beat and be heard and seen the same way. Oh, absolutely. Uh, right down to the, it's Monday, April yeah. 10th or whatever, you know. And yet it would be wrong to say that this ignores everything that happened. I mean, it's not such hidden subtext. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, what could he possibly mean by exiles? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's talking about refugees, right? That's, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that's in there, and we only played you a bit of it, like, what if you don't belong anywhere? It's all about exiles. It's scapegoating. If it can happen to your neighbor down the street, it can happen to you. Do all lives still matter? <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I, I read this very clearly to me as trying to capitalize on where public sympathies exist right now and mm. where sort of the zeitgeist is at in terms of thinking about Syrian refugees, in terms of thinking about the Black Lives Matter movement and finding these connections whereby he might be able to kind of like reflect those same sentiments onto his case. This is what Anne, yeah. Anne Donahue re responded. He, he, he describes, uh, she was responding to this description of the ideation project that uh, Gameshi has up on the site. In a 140 character environment, nuance is often a casualty. The ideation project is a creative adventure with the aim of taking a bigger picture view on newsworthy issues and culture with the goal of asking questions and starting conversations. So Anne responds uh, that this description sure reads like a mansplanation of why there are more newsworthy issues than the history uh, of his own assault on women. <laughs> it, it's not that clever of a bait and switch. It, no. You know. Well, that, like even to the point where you almost kind of wonder if he thought he was getting away with one on this one, you know, like I'd, uh, it's so close to what he's gone through, uh, I guess in his own eyes without actually, you know, providing anything of substance or any kind of addressing of this, that it almost like, it wouldn't surprise me if he was sitting back in his studio going like, no one will ever pick up on the subtleties of these particular, they'll think I'm talking about immigrants or something. And, <laughs> Which, again, is maybe indicative of some of his incompetencies as a broadcaster. Maybe. Maybe. But, but maybe. May, but maybe. Okay, so let's look at the two different... Sure. Because, you know, I perhaps analyzed this closer than many. And that's the main mm. thing I've noticed is, is just there is a media bubble that I think mockery or revulsion was the main reply. Mm. There was a core of MRA, Gameshi, truther supporters sure. who I think hate this kind of globalist new agey bullshit but are like pretending to like it because it suits the agenda of being pro Gameshi I don't know he's got mm. them in a quandary and then I, I but I think I was most surprised by how little interest there was in this you know that, that mm. it, it was not 
you know, you can look at the views. You, for a story that was of that magnitude, it doesn't seem to have gotten many people's attention. And just anecdotally, I'm talking to people who heard that it's back. And I said, well, have you listened to it? And they're like, no, I hear it's really boring and, and people aren't listening to it. But I'm, mm. of course, paying close attention. And I'm wondering, is it as amateurish and as clueless as it appears? Like, could he possibly think that people take him seriously when he says, hey, I'm just trying to start conversations about global issues? It's like, no, you're not. And, and you know, did he think he was being clever in hiding the, the subtext about exiles? Or we have to accept that a team of people he paid a lot of money to sat down with him and plotted out not just this episode, but mm. the next year to five years and anticipated every response, every possible iteration of what's going to happen and, you know, what possible, I mean, this was something that was openly discussed in the press sure. when it went down. They've talked to PR or crisis management people and said, is there any way he can rehab his image? And they're like trying to solve the puzzle of like, well, you know, what can you do? You can do an apology tour, mm -hmm. but if you do an apology tour, you kind of have to say what you did. You know, you, you kind of right. yeah. like, you have to actually ad ad admit that you did something and then you got to worry about, are there other people who might come out with more allegations if you start apologizing? And I know that there are. Right. So he can't really do that, you right. know, or you could go like, as they say in wrestling, you could turn heel. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. He could be the flag waving MRA, whatever. Well, but that's sort of part of why this sort of thing would be extra tricky for him in any case, because like his constituency, like he didn't have a lot of fans among the MRAs and the, you know, uh, rebel types before any of no. this came out right his his group of fans was exactly the kind of people who are going to be especially horrified by the kind of allegations that were made against him you know and who are going to be especially attuned to what steps if any he could take to sort of get back into their good graces and so I mean, just because he's paying a team of people doesn't mean he's paying a team of good people. There is a viable play if he were to say, I used to be, uh, if he embraced the right and said, mm. I used to be brainwashed by the left until I was targeted and now I'm with you guys. And I think that he could probably have a weird Alex Jonesy career. And I think he, that's mm. like, if he was just looking to align towards having a career and getting paid, a lot of these people on his side who think he got railroaded would give him Patreon money or crowdfunding money. And he, he sure, could function yeah. and have like a weird political podcast that's about anti-feminism stuff or whatever the <laughs> hell. But I think that he's more interested in, like, I think he still thinks he can have it back. Well, yet yeah, to me, I think, and this may be a simplistic view of his personality, but nothing I've seen would contradict it. But like, he's an egomaniac. I genuinely don't believe that that he has any sense that he couldn't get his position back, right? Like, if yeah. he maybe if he thought the only way he could stay in the public eye would be to go heel turn. This was the guy who, when the allegations first dropped, went to the CBC with pictures of what he had done to these women, thinking it would exonerate him. Yeah. That doesn't strike me as someone who has scads of self-awareness when it comes to, like, how he comes across to other people, necessarily. And... I like I just I just think ultimately with go back to egomania I think that will explain that's the a lot more, yeah of this like one. that's the you know just like what would what would a man who is utterly convinced of his own importance do and he he would jump in with like a you know slightly tangential let's light the uh, you know aroma candles and take a hot <laughs> bath and really think about what it means to be a nowarian or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I tend to think that you you got it right. I mean, there's part of me that just thinks, like, no, no, this is all part of the plan. He's <laughs> absorbing the scorn. He'll absorb mm. the ridicule. 
and he'll maybe being boring is part of the plan. And if he's boring for long enough, people will stop scorning, they'll stop paying attention, but then it's normalized that he's back and then perhaps he can claw his way back to some kind of career. But right. but, the, but then but then I, I can't even make sense of that theory because what the hell is his show going to be? I don't think he's going to be able to get guests, you know. He's well, not that'll be sp- interesting. <laughs> you know, and and yeah. listening to him just talk over new age music in this like self-help way yeah. I mean, to go back a bit too, I think uh, a lot of what we're talking about here uh, also has to do with whether he deserves a public career. He could go get his, you know, accountant's license and uh, put up a storefront in the beaches, and I don't think anyone would bother him for the rest of time, whatever he did, right? But like, he wants to be the old Chian again. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's exactly it. And people will say, like, oh, what do you want from him? Has, hasn't he suffered enough? And he's got to eat. And, I don't have the power to deny this guy a career and he's got yeah. every right to put out a podcast. Any asshole can put out a podcast, obviously. <laughs> Anyone at all. Ultimately, the public will decide whether they want to listen to this guy or not. Yeah. It's just a fa- the, the idea, like exile, like there is such a thing as just people not wanting to hear your fucking voice anymore yeah. and not trusting you and not wanting to listen to you. You're not exiled. And to and to suggest, like, I, I don't want to get all hot about this. It's It's funnier than it is offensive. Yeah. The kind of parallel he's trying to draw. The idea that like you can no longer stroll into the horseshoe tavern and everyone goes, hey, like it's cheers is like a meaningful form of exile or like what like that you have to retreat to your, you know, presumably two million something dollar home in the beaches. And and again, that to me just feeds into egomania. What kind of person goes through what he went through and, and assumes he was exiled, assumes he has something in common with like a, a Syrian refugee who just got like booted back on the plane at, at JFK airport, you know, like on to duly noted. <laughs> Hooray. Dave, what do you have for us? Uh, my duly noted is going to go back to my Edmonton roots here. So uh, last week, really bizarre story came out of variety involving Edmonton Oilers owner, Daryl Cates. Uh, these are all allegations, but a Brazilian model actress who's been on Jane, the Virgin uh, alleged in a separate court filing, something to do with uh, her husband suing the PR company that represents Daryl Cates. It's convoluted, but the the nub of it is is that she is alleging in these documents that at some point Daryl Cates offered her money for sex, then a role in a uh, Hollywood film. He's recently become a bit of a Hollywood producer or a attempted Hollywood producer. Maybe. Bit of being the operative. Or... Yeah. You know, he's got enough money to do whatever he wants. And then at some point it boiled down, she claims that he was going to pay her about $20,000 a day to have sex with him a few times a month and, you know, go out and be like, basically be an escort. Yeah. Obvious, all unproven allegations, whatever. The interesting thing though, is that uh, still as of this Wednesday morning, the Edmonton journal has not written a peep on this. And it's, huh. Yeah, this was pointed out relatively soon afterwards, but nothing has happened. Now, I read about this in the National Post, I believe. Yeah, the National Post wrote about it. CBC wrote about it. And the Edmund, uh, Edmund Journal is a post-media paper. It is. And the story, though unproven, these allegations had enough substance to them. I think there was evidence of a, of a money transfer uh, between him yeah, and Yeah, supposedly her. he has given her $30,000, $35,000, something like it's that. a solid news story, a yeah. sleazy and, and sleazy uh, salacious, one, but, but, but about a major public figure in Edmonton. Yeah. And the paper hasn't even covered it. Hasn't touched it at all. Dave, why do you think that is? <laughs> I have heard rumors uh, about why that is, uh, something to do with, on legal advice, they decided to, to step away from it. But... Um, it would obviously be different legal advice than literally every other publication in the country got. But 
like realistically, the Edmonton Journal has been notably and somewhat notoriously spineless when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers and, you know, Daryl Case in particular. A fun fact about the Journal is they used to be part owners of the Oilers back in the days when there were 30 people helping keep the team in, in town. But since then, since Daryl Case has bought them, in ways as benign as sort of like, this has been a last place team for 10 straight years and, you know, like just nary a peep of management or anything like that to obviously the arena Rogers plates, which uh, Kate's got an incredibly sweetheart deal in that is now reverberating out there, tossing people out of, you know, condo buildings near there. And the journal was the polite way would be say a cheerleader, right? The maybe impolite way would be like doing things that a billionaire would allegedly offer a Brazilian model $20,000 a day for, um, <laughs> All alleged, uh, but like, <laughs> and this is kind of a thing with regional papers that like, you know, you don't rock the boat of the professional sports team in town because, you know, they're to a degree, they're a meal ticket, right? Everyone's going to read about what the Oilers are doing, right? Um, yeah. But the journal has kind of always gone above and beyond, uh, I think. And this just seems like, and you know, like in, in a certain sense, it's, yeah, it's not the earth shaking a story. It might just be salacious allegations, but like the idea that the owner of your team uh, is getting in something this ridiculous and you're just whiff on it seems odd to me. Well, sadly for Edmontonians, the Edmonton Journal remains their only source of information. So they, they will never <laughs> know about this. It's, it's true. Yeah. Duly noted. I just want to duly note my own discomfort and surprise at my discomfort with this story that um, surprised and shocked and horrified everybody. Just a, so upsetting, this uh, video of this United Airlines passenger mm. getting forcibly removed. And the follow-up to this was that the doctor who was removed from the plane, big rush to find out who is he and, and you know, this early report that he's a doctor and that he wouldn't leave because he had to see his patients. Does that mm -hmm. hold up? All of which is like, that's the job of journalists to go and find out if that's true. Sure. And what they found out was that this guy has uh, criminal charges in his past and some other unpleasant stuff in his past, all of which is now like major international news about this guy. Yeah. And a familiar pattern played out where the public who have like, what do you call that kind of, you know, you know, when amateurs try to get in this and they... Yeah. And they make cases for like basic human decency and say things like, what does this possibly have to do with United's behavior? That might seem rational to a civilian, but we <laughs> experts were, to, were very quick to say, no, 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 this was fair game. This is a major news right. story. It's about him. And we had to report this. I am usually very firmly on the side of publishing all. Mm. On this one, I felt really uncomfortable. Like, and it was just like he's a grandfather. He's got these kids, and like, I'm like, and part of it was that it was very sleazily reported. The fact that he yeah. is a great poker player who made hundreds of thousands of dollars playing poker was sort of like sandwiched in there with some sex crime stuff, and it just felt like now here's this teardown piece. And then I had to wonder: Is United doing counter intel and counter propaganda against this guy? But I, I don't think so. I just think that the journalists were like, well, there's more juiciness to the story, and there's more facts to report. But it was one of these ones where I felt like, thank God I didn't have to make the call as to whether or not to report that or not, because yeah. I would have been very, very uncomfortable reporting it. Well, I feel like maybe a guideline for something like this is, you know, did he choose to 
get involved in this story. It's one thing if like, oh, you know, Chewbacca mom. Oh, it turns out you know, she she's beaten her kids. What a terrible person, right? Like, Wait, she, has she? No, 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 no. Sorry, that's bad. I was trying to milkshake duck that. Yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, that, but that yeah, the like, part. There's no consent. The whole, yeah. like, it all happened to him. The whole thing is so horrible, and yeah, you know, he he didn't ask for any of it. And I mean, obviously, it has far more serious resonance with you know, as as people pointed out, this is the turning the guy into a bad guy. Yeah, but what a terrible person he is that has happened with a lot of the things that led to Black Lives Matter protests and stuff. Right, like the no angel, uh, I believe, is the short term for this. Right, so it's sort of like, well, you know, maybe those Chicago cops knew that he was a gambler, and that's why they cracked his head open on the seat. It's part of why I hate it is that it's that part of the news story where they're like, you might have been shocked and appalled by what happened to this person, but here's why you don't have to care about them. Yeah, exactly. Here's why they're not really a person like you. Okay, our second sponsor today is FreshBooks. FreshBooks is also a wonderful service for freelancers, small businesses. As you know, in this tax season of ours, it makes your life easier and saves you tons of time. It's something that like, I appreciate more and more as I get older, things that I was like, ah, you know, there's a way to do that without paying, so I'll do that. And then you realize that in trying to avoid paying for something, it's just taking you hours and days more than it would have. And then there's sort of like residual, you know, it's in some file and some Microsoft Word document. It's about taking yourself seriously as a professional and using a tool and figuring that your practice is worth paying for a good tool to take care of your billing, your receipts, your time tracking, and the like. You will not find a better service than FreshBooks. And when you got to do your taxes, it just spits out all the info that your accountant needs. It spits out all the info you need about the taxes you've paid and what you've billed and what you're owed. It saves you time every week. It saves you a ton of time come tax time. Check it out. Try it out for free for 30 days. No credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand. If you do become a customer, tell them that FreshBooks sent you. You'll be doing this show a favor. David, you're a former postie. Uh, I am, yes. Former yeah. Post Media employee. Yes, uh, specifically a National Post. Does that mean that you are now able to speak freely about them, given that you don't work there anymore? Or I'm aware that that could mean... You know, ask me in like two weeks and I'd be happy to discuss my freedom to discuss my former employer. Conrad Black uh, still works for the National Post, the newspaper that he started. He seems to feel free to speak freely about it. This is a, a tweet of his after they announced the results of their most recent quarter. It's too late. The bondholders control the company and are content to bleed it dry with the complicity of management. Bankruptcy is next. <laughs> what a ridiculous thing for this former press baron to say. I think everyone has nothing but confidence in the board's ability and the executive's ability uh-huh. to, you know, right this ship. It is outrageous that that a man who is still employed mm-hmm. uh, by the paper would say such things. You know, they wouldn't pay those those kind of bonuses to Paul Godfrey and his management team if they were not able to write this. One assumes that a bonus is a reward for for good behavior. People have been predicting the demise of the National Post since the National Post began, but there is a feeling, and I am hearing that Mm. this is it, that there is no last shuffle of the debt, there's no rabbit in the hat. We're looking at bankruptcy in a matter of months, and that'll be it for Post Media. It certainly seems that way. Uh, I'm pretty sure I can say that. That is independent analysis that I have read in other places. But no, I mean, um, 
When I started in 2010, which wasn't too far after Post Media swooped in and saved the Post and the rest of the chain, even then, it was sort of a running joke, like, you know, permanent death watch. Over the course of that six or seven years now, though, I mean, they've seemed to have tried basically everything. Certainly better business minds than mine uh, might think there's something left to do here, but... Well, well, they are doing something. There is something that they're doing. I think that just like, is it going to survive or not? Of course, that's a primary question, but there are different ways that things could go under, right? And and Well, even with, with post media where it is right now, though, there was certainly a time when, you know, maybe you could picture them hiving off parts of it, you know, uh, some rich Vancouver guy will buy a, a couple papers uh, or something like that. But as they stand right now, I'm not so sure. Uh, first of all, just like in terms of, you know, what they owe the bondholders, et cetera, et cetera, like the actual corporate structure of it. I'm not sure you'd be allowed to do that. But secondly, just in terms of what's left, I'm not actually sure there is a lot of there there in, that could get bought off. Maybe. Maybe it's Pollyannish to think. But you know what? Like, Vancouver is in a sorry state and will mm. need some kind of a news source. And I think the people in Vancouver, ultimately, there will be enough of them who will pay for that. Edmonton will need a news. Like, mm-hmm. there are all these communities. A lot of them, Post Media is the only game in town besides a CBC presence, which waxes and wanes, depends on where you are. Sometimes, some places it's good. Whether or not there's a, a sound business case for a Post Media newspaper or a newspaper, there is a sound business case for a news organization yeah. in a lot of these communities. And in many of these communities, Post Media has the best brand. And if, if you're trying to decide between starting your own new news brand and taking over an established Post Media brand, in a different type of corporate structure, it may have made sense to some entrepreneur or, you know, and, and sadly, it also makes sense to people who like, I don't care if I lose money on this because I'm, let's say I own the Edmonton Oilers and I can control the press <laughs> if I own the paper, you know, that that's, but to the journalists who work at these papers, what has happened in the past is you you hope that some somebody comes and buys the failing newspaper and tries to turn it around. The way that post media is set up, I think, basically prohibits that possibility from ever coming to pass. And as Conrad Black is saying here, the debt load is so heavy and their actions tell it. This isn't speculation. There's still revenue coming in. There's still assets that they own and they can act like the mobsters and goodfellas and just bleed it dry, bleed it dry, bleed it dry, and then set it on fire. It's it's the most destructive form of capitalism playing itself out over years, over years, because the time to have sold would have been years ago. Mm-hmm. I just bit my tongue so hard that I'm bleeding uh, right now. Uh, all right. I, I can't, I can't sit here with a, with a <laughs> former post media employee and do all I, the talking. So I appreciate I, yeah. the very sensitive position you're in and we'll move on to the next topic with the promise to our listeners that former national post editor, Ken White has agreed to come on this program and talk about the national post and post media So we'll get into this in more depth soon. Champlain selects a lush and sheltered site. What is now Quebec City. It is the first permanent European settlement in Canada. The producers behind the series said they regretted offending anyone. But in this format and in a tightly packed 10-hour time frame, we necessarily left out huge swaths of history. The National Historic Site of Port Royal was founded three years before Quebec City, which the show depicts as the first permanent European settlement. Dave, I want to talk about, once more, the CBC's ongoing history 
of Canada, the story of us. Right. Our story. story. Yeah. Yeah. It's your story. It's my story. It's all of ours. This is a slow motion train wreck that is only 30% complete. Complete. I don't know. What is the word for- 30% off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. CBC has apologized to the province of Quebec for the inaccuracies and the offense and the depictions of the French as- Dirty, swarthy, dirty, swarthy, yeah. stained fur charlatans, and you know just the many inaccuracies, and and like like there's just like who they cast and who gets to talk about history and what gets left out. They're three episodes in, and there's a lot of Canadian history, and the thing about history is yeah. most of it's pretty controversial. Yeah, yeah, especially in this country, especially lately. Um, yeah. yeah. They're they're setting up like some kind of discussion forum. Like I've I've never seen a situation like this before, yeah. where they they realize they're fucked. And I I have a bit of information from people involved in the production. Some people who were telling me like I heard what you had to say about it, and yeah, it's bad. But you have no idea how bad it could have been. We were <laughs> we were actually impressed oh. that they got it up to that. Like apparently the production itself was right. a huge debacle. And like you could just imagine in a bureaucracy like that, as you're like dealing with casting issues, the mm, plot yeah. issues, getting Trudeau involved, like how many hands were involved in baking that and just like, how is it going to come out? And then the fact that the whole fucking thing is a American franchise. <laughs> they they yeah. bought the format to the story, the story of us, yeah. like, you know, like that's what works in TV. It's weird that you need to, like the fact that you had to buy that from the States. You need the, yeah, Law and Order Canada edition of like Canadian history or something that's like it. that. It's, yeah, it's like, their TV format yeah. for our history. But anyhow, the, th- the thing that is that is unprecedented to me is like usually you fuck up. If it's really bad, you apologize and you pretend it never happened. But they have to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, like there's a couple things here. First of all, a bunch of guys in Toronto trying to pass off an American idea as the story of Canada and then everyone else in Canada complaining about it is actually the story of us. Like the meta story here is is Canada. Yeah. So kudos to whoever managed to like whatever Tim and Eric executive at the CBC managed to pull that one off. <laughs> but yeah, like secondly, I guess more than anything, I'm just surprised they would even bother to apologize while this is because it just seems like the maybe the smarter play here would just be like, let it play out. People will complain at the start. It's possible too, like if we want to give them the benefit of the doubt that like later episodes will, you know, have better representations or something. I don't know. Maybe there's an episode on the Truth and Reconciliation Committee coming or I don't believe that. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. I bet there's a Winnipeg General Strike episode. (laughs) There's there's FLQ episode. Yeah. I'm sure those will go over just fine. Perfect. uh, I guess right now they're just like, they can't make the show good. Yeah. I guess they could kind of like furiously go through each episode and try to figure out like what's going to piss people off and get rid of it. <laughs> and, like sell, try to sell more ads. Uh, I think it probably it. will get very Tim and yeah. Eric absurdist because as they better to have it make no fucking sense <laughs> than to have to apologize eight more times. So they'll probably just be like huge plot gaps. Right. Episodes yeah. will come in at like 23 minutes for They'll a, just jump ahead. Hour. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Well, and the revisionist part of it is, is that you can just sort of keep that narrative intact and have like a little addendum or an add-on. Like, of yeah. course there were some things that shouldn't have happened. And now back to that, the, the official narrative. Yeah. And in fact, it's like, no, you have to disassemble the entire thing. <laughs> you can make fun of, and, and really you should, the actors, the celebrity 
idiots for the most yeah. part commenting on this stuff. The music. I thought George St. Pierre had some very interesting things to say about fighting. Um, I'm getting yeah. a lot of hell for not knowing who he was, uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I don't enough. speak sports. But I think that they could have done the best possible version of it, and it still would have been a fiasco, because as soon mm. as you call it the story of us and attempt to tell the story of Canada in 10 episodes and frame it as the authoritative story of the entire country mm-hmm. and also take on, as CBC always does, in a way that I just don't know why they do. Like, even even in, like, really anodyne mm. and – what's the word? Like, PBS is by no means shocking, edgy content, <laughs> but they also don't feel the need to – patriotically cheerlead for America. So they could have Ken Burns talk about mm. prohibition or the history of baseball. He's not trying to give you some like negative, nasty history. He's, it's just interesting because the yeah. history is dirty and nasty and interesting. But CBC always assumes this burden that they are going to have fireworks at the end and a flag waving. It's a yeah. very... Like, why take that on? Well, I mean, CBC obviously occupies a very different place in the in the public consciousness than PBS does. PBS doesn't need to wave the flag because, like, they've got 150 million people who would never watch them doing that. So, like, they can afford to be a little bit more. Like, I think there's a case to be made that, like, the CBC sort of has to fill that role because there aren't a lot of... Well, may, I don't know. It's I, not in their mandate. I'm saying, I, I suppose. But like, I, I can understand why if you work there, you feel like you have to do that. Because like, so for instance, this is obviously part of the Canada 150 thing. And I do think in a certain way, this is taking some of the flack that could maybe be spread out along Canada 150. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm generally an arts journalist. And from talking to some of the people in the arts, they're all, not all, I shouldn't say all, but many of them are treating this sort of Canada 150 thing as like, Okay, well, like, you know, where's the smallest maple leaf we can put on our shoulder to justify getting this funding? They, they, yeah. you know, they think these sort of nationalistic things are ridiculous and myopic and, you know, all the sort of things implied. But it's a the, bonanza, half a billion dollars. It is. So, but like, I could see where the CBC in that climate, if you're assuming they're coming from that, might have to be like, okay, well, like, somebody has to care about Canada here. Somebody has to, you know, like, get up there and wave the flag and pat Justin Trudeau on the back. Oh, it's um, like forever running it like it's some small town newspaper where you're like, is mm. our role to boost this town or to tear it down? People, yeah. what, what are we here to do? Come on, let's get serious. Let's, like, it's not yeah. for babies. We're, you know, it's not like <laughs> there are 35 million people in this country. Like, I, I don't think that it would cost them anything if they just played it straight and went for what any historian writing a book like, mm, like you yeah. go for what's interesting you go yeah. for the, and you go for the thing that is contested or that's new and you try to make people see it in a new light right sort of the the cosmos of Canadian history or whatever like the Neil deGrasse Tyson version uh, the, don't mention him to me okay <laughs> sorry uh, we have a thing he's not aware of it but anyhow oh, I guess like they're not PBS but I, I generally accept the point it's like why wouldn't you just do a relatively straight ahead history uh, of Canada sure. like cuz like that also doesn't really exist and that is also something that a a national broadcaster would be well served in doing right like when was the last time there was uh 10 hours of documentary the history of Canada released we get heritage minutes. That's like the, yeah. you know, like, oh. I guess like, that's it too. Is like, yeah. it's not so much about the cheerleading as much as like, it's so insulting to think mm. that I'll only watch this if you have like zooming cameras. Yeah. Celebrity, quasi-celebrity spokespeople <laughs> and really cheesy dramatic reenactments. It's almost like you're, you're, you're admitting that the, that the history itself 
couldn't, yeah, hold, no. couldn't possibly hold your interest. Well, it's sort of that classic, again, Canadian thing where it's just sort of like, you know, we need to pump up the War of 1812 because, I don't know, America's got the Revolutionary War. So, you know, if we don't have a war, what, who are we? What's going on? Like <laughs> Vimy Ridge, which just happened to, like, we can't, yeah. our history isn't interesting enough, as, you know, like straightforwardly explained. That is your Canada Land Shortcuts. David, thank you. Thank you. You can email me. I will read what you send me and respond when I can. And I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. Dave Barry, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Pleasure Motors, or you can go to my Squarespace page, thedavidberry.com. Our website is canadalandshow.com. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. People, we are selling tickets to live book tour shows in Toronto, Vancouver, Victoria, Calgary, Saskatoon, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Montreal, Hamilton, London, and Kingston. Go to canadalandshow.com slash book tour to find links to those tickets. This show is produced by Russell Gregg and Ali Graham. If you like what we do, please support us. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.